0: Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this morning, as Pastor said, I want to share another story. A story of a sinful saint by the name of Augustine. Uh, First of all, I'm going to tell you uh, why I chose this particular leader of the early church. And then I'm going to tell you about what a sinner he was. uh, And I'm also going to tell you how he became a saint, should be as no surprise to us. And, finally, what lessons can we learn from Augustine? When Pastor Smith first developed this sermon series, and Pastor Greminger and I got to choose the saint that we would uh, preach on, I chose Augustine for one reason. Martin Luther, the great reformer, loved this particular church father. As a matter of fact, when Luther became a monk, he joined the Augustinian order. Uh, It was uh, in the Augustinian order that Luther began to learn and open up the Holy Scriptures. Well, Luther once wrote, as a matter of fact... uh, Next slide. Holy Christendom has in my judgment no better teacher... If you're following along on page 4 of uh, the sermon outline, there are those blanks. And uh, teacher is the blank that you want to fill in there. No better teacher after the apostles than St. Augustine, that's a pretty high praise. Luther didn't of course agree with all of Augustine's writings, nor should we, I'll tell you more about that later. However, there should be little doubt about the influence that Augustine had on the great reformer Martin Luther. So that's why I chose Augustine for today. He was born in 354 AD in modern day Algeria, in other words, North Africa. His mother was a devout Christian, his father was not. His father was an unbeliever right up until the time of his deathbed. But Augustine of Hippo, yeah, that's the region there in Algeria. It's not the big fat animal, okay? Augustine of Hippo was not born a saint. He, like the rest of us, has a story of sin. His family had come from Rome, and therefore they spoke Latin in the home. And when he was 11 years old, Augustine went to a Latin school. When he was 17, he furthered his education by going to Carthage, to another Latin school, and it was there that he got mixed up with the wrong crowd. More interested in philosophy than he was in theology or religion, he kind of slipped into the sinful culture of the day. And, much to his mother's sorrow, he left the faith. He would later write about his sinful youth. He would say that he stole from his neighbor's garden, not because he was hungry, but because it was not permitted. It just wasn't supposed to be done, and that's why he did it. You know, I guess today we'd say, the devil made me do it, huh? He also got involved in the, in the wild and sinful lifestyle that was associated with other young men who bragged about their sexual exploits, only it was not just bragging in the case of Augustine. He had a mistress outside of marriage for over 15 years. He even had a son from that adulterous affair. Make no doubt about it, the story of this saint is a story of a sinner. It includes great sin and unbelief. In 385, Augustine ended his relationship with his mistress in order to prepare to marry a very rich teenager, just for the money, not for love. But that marriage never took place. Why? Because he decided instead to marry the church and to become a priest. He devoted himself, immersed himself in religious studies, and he moved to Milan, Italy, reevaluated his life, and at the age of 32, he returned to the faith. The only thing a sinner can do is to repent before the Lord, and that's what Augustine did. And so Augustine's first major work, uh, his first major work that he wrote, was called Confessions. He tells the story of this sinner becoming a saint in this writing called Confessions. It's a work that is loaded with thanksgiving to God and uh, penitence. He talks about original sin, He talks about free will. He talks about grace. All of those topics were what drew Martin Luther to his theology. Here is a quote, as a matter of fact, from this writing the Confessions. He said, Lord, you were always with me. I was not with you. Your voice called and opened up my deafness. Your light shined through my blindness. You breathed fragrant odors which became my breath. You touched me and I burned with peace. That's how he became a saint, by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Well, he was eventually ordained a priest and uh, returned to the northern Africa area of his homeland. He preached over 10,000 sermons. Thousands of people were affected by his teaching, and he was eventually named the Bishop of Hippo, and he reigned in that position until 430 A.D., when he died at the age of 76. The best hope a forgiven sinner can cling to is the hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And that's why Augustine's second major work is called The City of God. He wrote it in order to comfort his fellow Christians living in the Roman Empire. You see, they had been destroyed in the year 410 by the Goths by the vandals from the north. Augustine's story is a real story about a sinner who by God's grace became a saint. Now wait a minute. That's my story too. That's your story, right? I came across this quote during the last couple of weeks. It kind of goes with this sermon series. God's not done writing the story of your life. Quit trying to steal the pen. So this morning, as we allow God to help us write our story, what lessons can we learn from Augustine, Bishop of Hippo? To answer that question, I'm going to unwrap this City of God book that he wrote. The Roman Empire ruled the world from 30 A.D. until 410 B.C., when the vandals from the north came and militarily overcame the Roman Empire. Now there are many reasons historians write for the fall of the Roman Empire. Some would say that it imploded from the inside through its pagan self-centered immorality. In other words, they became weak because of their sin. Could it be some truth to that? Yes, I believe there could be. Many say the United States, as a matter of fact, could learn from lessons. Some lessons from the Roman Empire. Weakened from the inside, they became easy prey for the armies from the outside. Now, it was this time of Roman despair when the Roman Christians especially wondered what in the world's going to be with the future that Augustine wrote The City of God. And in it, he argues that at such times, the Christian faith needs to serve as a foundation for hope in the midst of cultural despair. Even though the earthly rule of the empire was destroyed, it was the city of God that ultimately would bring victory. Augustine wanted to focus on eternity, on the victory of heaven, and it is still our eternal destiny that should be the focus of all of us as we build our story as sinful saints. Let me do a little exercise to help us focus on that. I've done it in some Bible classes before, maybe some of you have done it. You can do it this morning or you can just watch me if you want to. Uh, Take your pointer finger and put it uh, just eight or 10 inches in front of your nose and uh, concentrate on it. You kind of look cross-eyed a little bit, but see how in focus it is? Now take the palm of your other hand and put it behind your pointer finger as far as you can reach And now don't concentrate on your pointer finger. Concentrate on your palm and see how the pointer finger almost disappears because of your focus. And that's a good lesson because some of you have, again, listened to me as I teach the book of Revelation in various circles here around uh, the church. And you've heard me say that the book of Revelation teaches us that no matter if all hell breaks loose in the world, in the church, or in your personal life, if you just hang on to Jesus, you will win in the end. That's where our focus needs to be. Augustine's famous work, The City of God, has 22 chapters in it that works our way through the despair and the sin of this world, but reaches its climax as we focus on the victory of eternity, the city of God. You see, in the daily warfare that a Christian has to fight between the forces of evil and the force of our Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, we will win some battles and we will lose some battles. It is true. You experience that. But to sustain us in the fight, we need to always side and focus on the Lord Jesus Christ who will give us the victory. Jesus points to all of that in the gospel lesson that was read earlier when he says to his followers, the Son of Man now has to go up to Jerusalem. He's going to be betrayed, condemned to death, handed over to the Gentiles. He's going to be mocked on, spit on, flogged and killed. And then Jesus says, and on the third day he will rise. A few of us have just returned this last week from the Oberammergau passion play in Germany, where the prediction by Jesus that was read in our Gospel is portrayed over a five-hour performance. And when the cross, the crucifixion scene is over in that passion play, and Christ's body is laid in the tomb, the final scene has the women at the tomb on Easter morning, and the last words of the play are the words of the angel who say to Mary Magdalene, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Now go and tell his disciples. And Mary makes that proclamation. She says, I will proclaim the resurrection to my brother. I know my Savior lives. And then the, uh, the chorus comes in onto the stage of the Passion Play and sings the great hallelujahs of Easter. But it's the now go and tell. Now go and tell. He's alive. Augustine wrote the city of God to a people in the depths of hopelessness and pointed them to the hope of victory and to the mission that they had to proclaim that victory to the world all around them. The city of God is portrayed, of course, in that epistle lesson that was read by pastor from Revelation 21, right? I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, and I heard a loud voice saying, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. Keep that picture in front of you. Focus in. I try to make that reading a part of every funeral service that we have here at St. Paul's. The city of death cannot defeat the city of God. Now listen, Augustine was no Mother Teresa. And his theology was not even all in line with Holy Scripture. He still believed and taught about purgatory. He did not have faith and works all figured out yet. Luther would take care of some of that later on. But as we tell his story this morning, remember this. God is still writing your story. Quit trying to steal the pen. When James and John asked for positions of power in the gospel lesson for the day, you know, remember how Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking? And then he asked James and John a question. He says, can you drink from the cup that I am about to drink? And uh, James and John, uh, the Galilean bumpkins that they were, said, yup, yup, we're able. Uh, they didn't know what they were talking about. They had no idea that the shadow of the cross was what Jesus was talking about, and Jesus says to them, you don't know it now, but yes, you guys will drink from this cup. Christian tradition says that in 11 years, James would be the first disciple to be martyred, to die for the faith, and John would be the last of the 12 to die on the island of Patmos a 90-year-old man with nothing but his faith. Now, power and glory for the child of God includes service and mission, denying ourselves, becoming a servant. Remember Jesus saying in the gospel, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. You know, that whole mission of Jesus becoming our servant, giving his life for us, making us sinners saints, began as soon as the fruit in the garden of evil, uh, of the garden of evil, the garden of Eden, was crunched into. In that moment of Adam and Eve's sin, Jesus began his journey to the cross. And he didn't stop until he got to a victorious open tomb. And that's what the City of God, that Augustine wrote about and taught about, is all about. It's about our mission to the world, to a world which is like Rome, filled with selfishness and devil-driven immorality. And we're here to lift up the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ, and in the midst of whatever kind of despair or baggage we are carrying, don't start writing the story of your, of your life now. Get your hand off the pen and let God continue to guide you into mission and service. Part of the story is to drink the cup of suffering and denial. For God's children, it is a cup of missional joy. Are you ready to say, give me that cup, pour me a glass, I'm ready to be the church, the city of God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless us all. And now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds with Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Will you pray with me? Lord of the church and God of our salvation, give us eternal eyes. Help us to not be distracted by the things of this world, the baggage that one day moss are going to consume and rust is going to eat away. But keep our eyes and our life, our meaning and our purpose, focused on those things that the kids clapped their hand over today as they sang for us the importance of praising you and worshiping you every day of our life. Let it all be a part of the lessons we learned from Augustine, your saint made pure in the blood of Jesus. Amen.